All aboard the Brimley bus. It's 110, and we're heading down the road. Let's stop in Memphis to pick up Jim Flanagan. How we doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Can you see? I'm in a weird little hotel here in Memphis, Tennessee. Can you see me rocking back and forth? I I do see. Why are you in Tennessee? Are you doing volunteer work? (laughs) Oh, there he goes. Uh... (laughs) Just out here for the week doing some travel for work, and uh, I'm staying at a, a weird little hotel. It's a Marriott Moxie. Have you heard of a Moxie? You're the only 10 I see. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> yes, I Let's have. just get them all out. <laughs> I have heard Wanna of Moxie. Want to sing the Arrested Development song real quick? <laughs> Tennessee. <laughs> get all the references we can out. What a Tennessee, the same thing Arkansas. <laughs> the... Dude, I have been to uh, the Moxie, not in Memphis, but um, stayed at a Moxie in New York City, and I like it. I'm getting the vibe that you might not. Where they make salsa? Um, yeah, it's just a weird vibe in general. It's kind of like, I think it's like one step above a hostel, I think, if I'm being honest. Like, the room itself is fine. It's nice. It's well put together. But the table was on the wall. I got to, like, unhook it from the wall and, like, set it up. Uh, the the chair is like a tiny kid's rocking chair. It's the I mean it, like hey horsey. I feel very. I that feel, does sound I, like I don't a, feel like a grown up. I feel like I should be coloring on this table. If anything, does sound like a hostile environment. But the <laughs> the, the uh, I'm in dad joke mode, brother. This is unbelievable. I I'm like this. coming out of my chair, my skin. I haven't talked to people. <laughs> I'm so excited. I love Memphis. I just want to speak. I forgot (laughs) how to. It's a great city. It's just a weird vibe. Like the rooms don't have ironing boards. Every other floor has an ironing room where you can go and use the communal iron if you want to. That's just strange, isn't it? It is. Do you iron a lot on the road? Not now. I'm I'm a steamer normally, but now I have to be. Like I don't even have the option. I'm not going to go make friends, borrow someone's starch. Gonna go down there, like I'm up on ten, but uh, iron sucks up there. <laughs> they told me to come down here to seven, straighten <laughs> myself out. It can be very social there, the ironing, huh? Are a lot of people doing work? Are you hanging clothes off of the? I'm picturing you hanging your clothes off the balcony. You're getting <laughs> doing a lot of laundry there, Jim. Just have a clothesline out. How was your guys' day? Just wrapped up my Zoom. Now I gotta dry my clothes. The bar slash restaurant is also the front desk here. There's one employee. It's very like Newhart. Like, yep, I'll get the guy, you know, and then he just turns around and it's him again. It's very much like one of those type. Uh, and I feel like they're just trying to compete with Airbnbs or something. Give you like a cheaper option. Like, like this is like an Uber pool. Like this is like Marriott pool. You know what I mean? Like the one step away from just being like, hey, it's 27 bucks. You have a roommate. His name is Brian. See, I have the other impression. I think they're like a nice boutique place. And I love how you're dropping Newhart, Jim. I know Newhart. I know and that's no Newhart. <laughs> no, that sounds like a, you're at the hip place in Memphis. It is very hip. It's better. I stayed in Dallas last week. I stayed at a similar type of place that was called Element. And it was like this if you took away like the colors from the walls. It was very similar. There wasn't a lot in there. Uh, the, I looked it up afterwards. I'm like, what, what is this place? And like under amenities, it was like foam pillows. Is that an amenity? That's a requirement, I feel like. That is. This is named after the hazardous material it's built upon. It's built. <laughs> a, this site was the site of a hazardous element. 
So instead of hazardous, we just named it element because we didn't think anyone would stay here. In this place, you got a lot of moxie staying there, you know? Not an easy you thing to do. A ton of moxie. Like that hotel, I seen one in Chicago. Mm-hmm. There's one in New York that I stayed at. Those are like the cities I'm picturing. Memphis, a Memphis moxie. I love it, dude. What's going on down there? What's the vibe of Memphis? Honestly, kind of weird right now. Um, there is a lot of security at this hotel. And you need to be kind of quiet. There's a bunch of... Uh, I feel like I have to be quiet too. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like you were shushing all of us in that. These, Brimley's quiet down. There's, Jim has security surrounding him. <laughs> These hostile walls are thin. So there's rappers staying all over this place. Um, I shared an elevator with a rapper and his four security guards. So... Um, young Dolph, uh, a oh, Memphis really? rapper, was murdered a couple weeks ago, and the services are here in Memphis this week. Like they're like having a big thing uh, this weekend at the FedEx Forum, and so I'm checking in. And wow, his just, funeral's at the FedEx Forum. Yeah, I mean it was huge, and so I'm checking in, and there's just you know cars, security all over, and like I'm, I'm in an elevator by myself, and then literally five dudes walk in. And just four of them surrounding one guy, you know, and two of them get out and then he gets out and the other two tailing them. And I'm just like, they saw you as a threat. Uh, you guys want to share an iron? <laughs> You're so intimidating. <laughs> it was I mean, so you, weird. Were you carrying a bunch of wrinkled pants? I was. <laughs> I was. Um, but it's just such a strange like vibe around here right now. We're in the heart of downtown. It's it's beautiful. I'm right on the mighty Mississippi. I'm just doing a Mississippi River tour. I feel like that's my life now. I've been to Hannibal, I uh, obviously Illinois, and now I'm down here. Um, just an interesting time to be in Memphis. Well, you are the, um, you are the hip hop correspondent. I'm glad that we you were sent down to Memphis <laughs> to cover the services. <laughs> I am so frustrated that I don't know who I shared an elevator with. That is really bothering me. Isn't the FedEx forum, the pyramid is that or not? So fun story about that. So that pyramid that, that you're talking about was where Memphis basketball played, right? Yeah. Now that pyramid is a bass pro shop. No kidding. Is it really? (laughs) It's got the logo on it. Like I think it's the restaurant attached to a bass pro shop. Here's the thing about the territory I cover now. The South is amazing. Uh, one of the things about it is every major city has like a Bass Pro Shop drive. Like Bass Pro Shops are not just a store. They are a way of life. They are a community. Right. Could you imagine like you, you you build a new basketball stadium and then Bass Pro Shop calls. And they're like, we want to we want to let people eat where you used to play hoops. We're going to slap our name on that building now like a Halloween costume store. <laughs> Just does not look right, right? Like Someone it's all set up. Maybe that's Moxie's business model. Every time there's a Bass Pro Shops, we're gonna. <laughs> I just want to fast forward to this funeral, and you're somehow a pallbearer. <laughs> so- like the way to go, Jim. <laughs> Promote the podcast. <laughs> I, I'm so confused by this whole setup. This table is maybe two feet, you know, round table. Two feet in diameter, I would say tops. I had to pull it off the wall, like assemble the legs. I mean, I feel like Tiny House Hunters is just ruining where I'm staying. Uh, we got you in a, uh, a queen with a assemble your own furniture. You good? <laughs> uh, there's no bed in here. Oh, you just pull it out of the wall. <laughs> you just pull it out of the wall. What about a TV? Oh, you have your own screens, don't you? 
You have a screen, just use that. Are you having trouble building your dresser? We'll be right up. <laughs> By the way, I gotta ask you, have you ever used the drawers in a hotel? Do you? Rarely. Rarely, right? But not Vegas. the worst feeling when you do. Kind of like your home, right? So Vegas, if I'm somewhere like that, where I'm gone for a week, I will use the drawers. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I will start to. By day three, everything is just kind of piled up again any, everywhere, <laughs> everywhere anyways. doesn't matter. But I start that way. Yeah, normally I don't. But you're right. It feels like uh, you feel like a sense of accomplishment when you put stuff in a drawer, huh? Exactly. There are tell you a story of a buddy I grew up with. He, was, uh, he went on a sales trip and um, they had roommates. So he got his and they roomed with people like from around the country that you didn't know. So he got yeah. his room number, went in and the guy he's staying with had already been, you know, checked in and he like took the drawers. So I, I guess my buddy was like, screw this. Like, what are the chances? They both used the drawers. So he like moved his stuff, moved his stuff, sits down. He's like watching TV guy comes in the room. Like what the, what the hell are you doing? They put him in. So the guy who was supposed to room with had the same exact name as someone that was already staying there. So they just, he just went in some random dude's room <laughs> and moved in. And this guy, and then he's like, dude, I had to like get stuff out of the drawers. It was like the most awkward pack up, like getting out of there. <laughs> and then it didn't even get any better. The roommate that he actually did get paired up with the guy, like came home three in the morning, just shit faced. My buddy had to like get him. Like, this is like the old work stories, right? Yeah. This guy, I had a situation when I was on a sales trip in Cincinnati and I roomed with this guy who was, dude, he got so hammered, snored. Like, what, what is ha really happening here? Can you imagine now with COVID? <laughs> like, with, dude. like, I was rooming with some random guy. I was 25 years old and I'm like telling my buddies, yeah, I'm going on this sales trip, but I do have a roommate. He's 55 year old dude, Roger going to be sleeping with him. See you guys. What the hell yeah. is happening? We used to do that every meeting, two companies in a row I worked for. I'd say a good seven years. I didn't go to a meeting without having a roommate. And as the guy who drinks too much and snores, I have to say it's better on that end than being your buddy, but it is. Thank God. I've always worked for companies that sold hearing protection because it makes like, but some of these people like I'm meeting for the first time when we're like, Hey, we live together. It's like the real world. You know, yeah, exactly. Like some, <laughs> what happens when people stop being polite? I mean, you don't live with someone at home. And then all of a sudden you're, right. you're on the road and you got a roommate. How Just did anyone ever tolerate that? It's awful. You should be able we to sue to your boss. You should have, we should be able to go back and be like, dude, you owe me. I worked for you in 2003 and you made me sleep with that dude. I'm having, I'm seeing a therapist about it now <laughs> and you owe me. <laughs> are you going to have any time to venture out in Memphis? Are you going to go see um, the jungle room? Oh, I might, I don't know. I might get out tonight. I'm, uh, I'm heading out early tomorrow morning to head back. Um, yeah. I don't really get out and about too much. When you see, I've been to Graceland and obviously Elvis is number one. When you're in Memphis, when you think of Memphis, what do you think of? Who do you think of? Memphis, I don't know. I think of the song, right? Walking to Memphis, the blues. My buddy coaches football there. He's the offensive coordinator. He was the quarterback at the University of Dayton when I was there. Kevin Johns. KJ, oh, yeah. have you met my buddy, KJ? 
I have not. He's uh, had a coach's life. He was the offense coordinator at Indiana. He was at um, Western Michigan for a little bit. Now he's in, he was at Northwestern. He started at Northwestern. Now he's at Memphis, previously Memphis State. That would make me think of Anthony Hardaway, thinking Absolutely. Of, of Memphis. So it's kind of Derek Rose. I think basketball, I think um, blues. What do Memphis you think? used to be one of those football teams that never did anything, but they've been making right. bowls year after year. I mean, they've been, Dude, they've they're, been consistently solid. They're going, they're going to Hawaii this year for the Hawaii Bowl. Not that the best year, the better year last year, but when you go to Hawaii for a bowl game, isn't that a great year? No matter what Absolutely. your record is? Absolutely. And Hawaii gets, the, they're playing Hawaii, right? Yeah. What a yes, great they. stay home that is. Everyone gets to gamble on it. It's Christmas Eve, though. <laughs> Oh, that'll mess it up. It is on Christmas Eve. So, and then obviously Elvis, right? Have you, you, we've talked about Graceland on here though. Absolutely. I've been there. Yeah. We went into, we spent the extra money for uh, Lisa Marie's plane um, right. real quick, but how much does that suck? The only team in the country that wouldn't be excited to go to Hawaii is Hawaii. And they play in that game every year. Exactly. That's like, the only probably, give them a different bowl game. Like, you can have a bowl game. Fine. If you host it. <laughs> If we can come to your like, house. Like, look at these lucky teams in the Motor City Bowl. <laughs> they totally use them. It's like when you're a kid and you have a pool and it's 100 degrees out. The bowl <laughs> committee is like, we want to have a bowl on an island, like a real warm place, but we just don't really have anywhere to do it. You could use our stadium. Can we? Yeah, well, maybe you guys can play in it. Well, we're only... We're one in eight. That's okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. We'll bend the rules, Hawaii. People like gambling on you anyway. They're buttoning up their Hawaiian shirt. They're buttoning up their floral. <laughs> They're putting the, oh, that's okay. That's fine. You know what? I was actually heading the airport anyway. I might just come there right now. Bull committee's like, honey, I got you a Christmas present. Everyone's in on it too. The coach of Memphis is like talking to the athletic director. We should probably get, it's going to be crazy travel schedule. We should probably get there like a week before. <laughs> when I think of Memphis, Pat, I think of a pro wrestler from Memphis. Does that ring any bells at all? Would you have any guesses as to a, a pro wrestler is pretty synonymous with Memphis? Hockey talk, man? No, that very good call though. Wow. This, there's a guy who kind of really came up in the Memphis circuit is it, a legend here. And if I got to meet anyone Coco from Memphis, Beware? no, uh, you gotta give uh, me a hint. Uh, yeah. Let's hot dog him. Okay. And I want to look um, up honky tonk man in the meantime to see if he is from there. Where is he from parts <laughs> unknown? A little shake, rattle right. and roll. <laughs> let's go. Um, McGuire, Elvis, Baron Western. McGuire. Elvis? Yep. Bar on Western Avenue in Chicago. I think it's on Western. I need to look that up. So what's the Elvis? Presley? Elvis Andrews? No. Uh, what's Elvis's nickname? King. Co King Harley Race? No. King Kong Bundy? Ah, so <laughs> close. King. He wrestled Andy Kaufman, which is kind of how he transcended pro wrestling. He, he wrestled... Andy Kaufman, is it the guy that, that the guy that slept him, the glass, glassy, or what was the guy that slapped him? Uh, Jerry the King Lawler. Jerry, oh, 
Yeah. No, I, I wasn't sure if you'd know this one. I figured that was. No, uh, I do know who Jerry the King Lawler is. I can picture him. Didn't they go on Letterman together? And I think yeah, he slapped him. Absolutely. Them. Absolutely. That whole thing. He was, uh, speaking of, he was at Kaufman's funeral. Um, I mean, they were very good friends out of this whole angle. You know, the whole was that thing. Was at the FedEx I mean, Forum? That was not at the FedEx <laughs> Forum. <laughs> but I think Jerry Lawler's might be. Like when he goes, I think he's that big in Memphis. I think he is really. I mean, he's the king. He's for still reason, alive? You know, yeah, Jerry the King Lawler is still alive. Um, he still, you know, shows up to events here and there. But I figure with that Letterman and Kaufman connection, you might, uh, yeah, you might, you know, know a little bit about who he what was. What about B.B. King? Is he from Memphis? He might think be. of him. This, like, Jerry the King Lawler, like, do they claim him? Like, welcome to Memphis, home of Jerry the King. Or is it, it might be Elvis or B.B.? I'm sure it's Elvis first. I don't think Jerry's like topping the charts. I just think that, you know, no one's paying to go to Jerry Lawler's house. What if they were? And they're like, actually, this was his grandma's house. He was just born here. What does BB stand for, BB King? What if it's like Bonnie Beth? Like, you know why they call him BB? Because his name is actually Bonnie Beth King. It's actually Bonnie Blair King, and Bonnie Blair the skater was named after him. Her parents were huge, huge fans. Um, so during his time, uh, at the radio station, he, oh yeah, right here in Memphis, he earned the nickname Beale Street Blues Boy, which was eventually shortened to BB for Blues Boy. Oh, wow. You are correct that BB so, King is, look at you. I'm like Jerry B- Lawler. You're like, mm, what about BB or Elvis? Those are the real kings of Memphis. Well, I just remembered as you were saying that I have a picture when I went on my epic road trip with my mom and my grandma to Memphis. <laughs> We have a picture in front of the the Blues Boy King statue, but I thought it was Bobby Bonilla King, <laughs> Brady Bunch King, Brady Bunch King. <laughs> like, sure, that guy was the dad, but this guy's the king of the Brady Bunch. Brady Bunch King? You mean Greg? Oh, <laughs> uh, this is interesting. I didn't know this person was from Memphis. Uh, hmm. Let's go. What do you just have the phone book out now? <laughs> I didn't know this person was from Memphis. <laughs> There's a lot of Smiths out here. A lot of Smiths out here. Okay, some famous people from Memphis. Ready? This uh, he was a member of In Sync, I believe. Um, Sync. The lead singer of In Sync. He's he's hosted SNL a few times. He is Timberlake. Um, oh yeah, I was I was gonna go Trudeau Wood River. Wait a minute. He is from there, really? Justin Timberlake's from Memphis? That's what the internet says. And Pat, if I've learned anything, it's to trust the internet all the time. Dude, I love it. And and think about that guy. He is such a blend of everything, music-wise. Absolutely. And Memphis is kind of a crossroads of that, right? Blues and country and um, kind of like an origin center of uh, of it all. Why is the right. rock, and roll, rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Memphis? It's out in Cleveland for reasons unbeknownst to me. Well, I hope you have a chance to go see some live music tonight, Jim, and enjoy that town. And I hope that your uh, clothes are super straight when you do go out. I wonder if I'm going to run to the 3-6 Mafia here in the lobby of the hotel. They're right, Memphis well, representatives as well. Probably going to really? be at the forum this weekend. Absolutely. What, what was the story on this murder? I don't want to say too much with where I'm at because I don't know anything. Oh, I forgot security is out there. <laughs> what the hell are you doing to me? Jim, they Jim can't hear me. Podcast. You have headphones I know. on. I know. 
like welcome to episode 111 with my new co-host so they didn't hear me say about the murder jerry the king lawler you don't have to answer like what do i know about the murder of young (laughs) Dolph? all right (laughs) dude um i was gonna say this though about ironing on the road i used something um on the tour a spray you get the spray stuff that straightens your clothes out wrinkle some of them are What's that? The wrinkle release. Yeah, that's what I got to get one of those just to have on my, on my person. Do you ever say that yeah. on my person? My person, yeah. I hate when people say that. Do you have that? You should always have that on your person. <laughs> I don't have a person. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, it's effective. I'm sure it's loaded with elements, hazardous elements, but. It, it can't be good for you, but I think I need like one of those Batman tool belts that has like <laughs> one of those, like a wet nap. And like a tide stick just for <laughs> spilling stuff and yeah i certainly i need more on my person yeah you need a utility belt not a fanny pack at all we're not all picturing a fanny pack <laughs> you, definitely very different. Need, you definitely need a utility belt that is a utility belt it is not a batman fanny pack i just want to make that very clear security have you ever worn a fanny pack in your life yeah as a child yeah. 11, 12, working flea markets with my grandparents. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I used one on a, on a road trip once. My parents were like, this is just, you're going to have to use this because we're not carrying all your stuff and you're going to lose everything and you don't have pockets. And I begrudgingly, because I would have, you know, been defeated if I wore this in my neighborhood. <laughs> Guys would gang up on me and defeat me verbally and physically. I would take a, a pounding for the fanny pack it was not acceptable, but I found it to be uh, awesome. I, I did enjoy using it. And, and when the week was up and I had to return back to my fanny pack free zone, I will admit that I, I did miss it a little bit. You're like, where am I going to put my things? Right. Who doesn't All want something to acquired wares to care? Not that. I mean, what was I even carrying around that time? But. It has some uh, some dough. Traveler's checks. <laughs> traveler's checks. <laughs> of course. You got to get yourself some traveler's checks because if they take your cash, you're gone. I, I had a traveler's check one time and my I was like in a hurry and my signature didn't match up because they would like look at the signatures and they almost didn't want to cash it in. Did you use those? Yeah, I had a buddy who I think he got some of his bank, but like and they got he, he lost them. But he was like, don't worry, I never signed him. <laughs> and we're like, you mean the second signature? And it was like, neither one of them, so they can't use them. <laughs> like, ooh, well, we should talk. You How don't understand that? what this is for. That is a great security system to revisit. <laughs> you know, before technology, you had signed this check in front of one banker and then travel across the country or globe and sign it again in front of the other banker and they would decide your fate. (laughs) That was kind of a foolproof system unless you were what a counterfeit expert. Yeah. You got forgers involved and I'm sure they did very well during the (laughs) traveler's checker era. They're like, Hmm, I could go to college and become a doctor or learn calligraphy or or learn how to mimic people's handwriting, become an expert. I think catch me if you can. The working title of that script was Traveler's Checks. 
they had to rename it. <laughs> that guy made a killing on the traveler's checks. Absolutely. Pat, I wanted to switch it up a little bit and jump into a new review we have from our friend Izzy. We got a lot of questions about this over the course of the last week. And Izzy reached out, said, I love you guys, but I want to know what's going on. I was really looking forward to seeing Pat this weekend at the United Center with Sebastian. He wasn't there. What gives? Patrick, I want <laughs> to let you address this real quick. What's going on? What gave? What gave? Well, yeah, I'll tell you what gave, Jim. It's been giving and giving and giving. I got, I got the virus, man. I got COVID and, uh, you know, full effect of the, of the year as yeah. I think I jinxed myself two episodes ago. I think I said something about not getting the virus. It must've mm-hmm. been brewing in me as I said it. <laughs> yeah. got the virus isolated. Couldn't do the shows. Missed it. Bummer. Bad timing. And, um, but really grateful that I didn't really get sick. And, uh, um, if that was the worst of it, that's the worst of it. Just had to miss the shows. It did hear from a lot of people. Very nice. Um, I hated it as much as anyone else, but you know, perspective being perspective, come on, no big deal. Move on. I got the shows in January, which I'm dude, if I didn't have those, I probably would be a little bit more upset. I'm really looking forward to those. Um, and looking forward to just getting back out there. Cause like I said, at the beginning of this episode, I just want to talk. I just want to get out. Like, I just feel like I'm been, and you went through this. So many people have gone through this. Now I've gone through it and I don't wish it on, uh, I don't want anyone to get this thing, but it seems like it's happening. I just hope no one gets sick. I was vaccinated and boosted. That helped me. Um, and, or supposedly helped me. There are people out there. Hey, that didn't, you still got it. You still got it though, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I got it. Okay but I didn't get sick and uh, increasingly mild. And at your advanced age, I mean, for it to be so mild, very, <laughs> <laughs> we're really thankful for the booster. No, man, you know, I, 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 I can't review all 110 episodes, but that might be the first time you made fun of me for being old. <laughs> and, it, and it hit me. It was a dagger. <laughs> Not was, at all. Uh, it was good. But you were at the United center. There you go. You were there. You got to I was go out to, there on uh, Sunday the show, right? I can't thank you enough, my man. Uh, incredible experience. Um, what a cool venue. I mean, I, I, first of all, uh, obviously not the same as it would have been had you been there. Um, a lot of people reached out. We're really happy that you're doing well. Um, I'm really happy that you saved up all those weeks worth of dad jokes that you didn't get <laughs> to share with your kids and got them out at the beginning of this episode, rapid fire. That feels good. Um, I went Sunday. Five o'clock show, really cool experience, great environment, really, really great to see Sebastian. Um, it's just an awesome time, man. Uh, what a great show. I, I got to see your lovely wife briefly. Got to say hello as we we crossed paths there. Um, very cool That's experience. awesome. Yeah, and, she told I me. I love that venue. Oh, yeah, it was so cool to uh, – I'm glad Sarah got to go to. Um, saw some awesome pics. Just felt the vibe, you know. It's kind of like could feel that they were all in town and – got a lot of reach out and some notes and comments and um, it was all very nice. Um, and again, fired up for January at the Victor, the Victoria, whatever it is. I actually got a comment today. This uh, show at the Vic would be a lot better if Jim Flanagan were going to be there. So Jim Flanagan, you're going to have to be there. <laughs> I don't think that's what that comment meant. 
but yeah, uh, it's going to be fantastic. And you know, Jim's going to be there. Jim's going to be opening that night, both nights, and it's going to be a doozy. So come on out. And I hope everyone did have fun that went to the United Center. I heard the shows are awesome. Yeah, Sebastian is really um, in that arena mode right now. Like I've watched uh, that last weekend we were at. And, you know, this was just this is always what it does, too, because it was kind of like being sent home when it all came down the first time. You miss it. Right. And you miss everything. Yeah. So you just enjoy it more. And I'm sure that um, you're seeing it in the way he's closing out his shows. Um, it's a different vibe. It's a great vibe. And he's on top of his game. No wonder that he's packing these arenas out. So I'll be back with them in uh, New York at, after Christmas. And then we'll all be uh, hopefully back to, uh, I don't even know, you know, you want to say normalcy, but it doesn't seem normal out there right now. But as much as right. as much as we can. Right. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that, because this is my first time seeing stand up comedy in an arena. But this is something that you guys have been doing with regularity lately. I mean, that's incredible. Like the round stage, just like playing to all sides. Do you have to make like conscious decisions when you're doing that to, to continue turning? Like what goes through your mind? Yeah, so they have cameras in each corner. So I just kind of like try to roll to each can. And then if you keep going the same direction, you'll get twisted up the court, <laughs> literally. Like, so you, I kind of, you go one way and then go back the other way and run the, yeah, it's different, man, moving around. and walk, But a lot of people are just looking at the screens and I guess, you know, not, not to sound ridiculous to get used to it, but you try to get used to it, I guess. It's different yeah. though, man. Like seeing him there, you're like, oh, okay, that's how you do it in the round. That's how you fill that space. You know, he's so physical and um, animated. It's a different vibe than if you're just standing up there, like a stand and deliver comic in that you know, environment is different. So it's cool, man. It's cool to see it translate. I mean, it, it really does. And I've gone up into the high rafters at some of these shows just to see what, you know, what's it like sitting up here? Yeah. The screens make a big difference too. I could only imagine that was an interesting thing to me because there were times I, I great seats. And again, I cannot thank you enough for that. We, we had a wonderful time. Um, you are just, you're looking at the screen sometimes forgetting that you're looking at screens and it's so seamless. Like you're not realizing that he's moving. Right. You know what I mean? Like it, it, his, his level of consistency is, is just outstanding to, to be able to, you, you don't realize that he's turning the, the way they're getting the shots. You don't realize the cameras are turning. I mean, it's really incredible. Uh, the production aspect of it. And, and like you said, I mean, it's, it's just different than what you see in, in a small venue. Really, really cool. Yeah, I was just bummed to have the uh, the whole crew here, the whole team here in Chicago and then not to be able to be there with them. It just felt like a bummer, right? Because this is home and I was excited yeah. to have my family there and, you know, my kids were going to come and make it like, a, you know, they could see why I'm gone all the time and maybe understand a little bit more. Now they just are back to thinking I'm an asshole and never around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously timing can't be helped and we're all, you know, I, I, yeah, like you said, if this is the worst of it, fantastic, but, uh, certainly timing if it's weird. I know, I'm sure you had a lot of time to catch up on TV. I almost sent you my United Center debut, Pat. Um, I was actually at the first ever televised event at the United Center. Oh, that's and, right. Uh, was I, it was, a, uh, I was, what was it? A wrestling thing? 
Speaking of, Jerry Lawler was Lawler was on the commentary table. I was at SummerSlam 1994, fourth row. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I, I believe I'm in the footage. We were trying to look for me a couple of years back to see if they could see if we could find me anywhere. But uh, I should have sent that to you while you had some extra time to kill watching Netflix. Oh, I could have found you out there. I would have. Are you kidding me? You had floor seats for that? We did. Look at that, was, dude. Really interesting. This was September of 1994. So they were promoting um, Naked Gun 33 and a third. So Leslie Nielsen and his partner were there, right? Like, like looking for The Undertaker. That was the whole gimmick. So there was like a whole cross promotion between the WWF at the time and the movie. So they had like all these vignettes leading up to it where Leslie Nielsen and I can't think of the other guy's name from Police Squad. Um, Priscilla, Priscilla Presley? Correct. That's his name. Thank you. So, um, George Kennedy. Yes. The big guy. My guy. Well done. Eating the pistachios. Thinking back, I wonder, like, had this been a year earlier, would Nordberg have been there? Oh, wow. Yeah. Like the timing on that, right? Like if if this were anything different, because he was, he played a pivotal role in that movie. Like OJ Simpson probably was slated to be there before that fateful trip to Rosemont after Brentwood, right? He must have been. Yeah, that's interesting. He would have been there. He would have got thrown out of the ring onto you because they like to <laughs> toss Norberg around. He was always they getting really hurt. Do. They really Did anyone do. get th- thrown on you that night? Superfly Snooker? Did you make a list Not on me. Not on me, but uh, certainly nearby. Um, Walter Payton was a big part of it. He was in Razor Ramon's corner. I'll never forget that. Yeah, oh, I kind of remember that part too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was cool. But anyways, I, I never thought about the O.J. Simpson connection until uh, until just recently. Look through the history of wrestling and uh, the entertainment crossovers that they've done through the years. It really is a reflection of our of our country and the How ridiculous uh, we are and the disintegration of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I saw it. Oh, I was, the truth. I was flipping through and saw a documentary on Rowdy Piper the other night. And I was flipping. I saw, I mean, it's just all I've been doing is watching shows. I consumed a lot of information on Nintendo. Now you're playing with power. And one of those shows, like, you know, the, the shows you're flipping through and it's like the toys that made us. <laughs> like we were made by toys. And they have um, this Nintendo story is insane, dude. This company has been around since like the 1800s. But when they got their start in video games, um, I think it was with Donkey Kong was one of their big ones when they put them on the map. Yeah. So Donkey Kong was their response to Pac-Man. Pac-Man blew up, right? And they were kind of chasing, chasing that. So they wanted to get a recognizable character and they really liked Popeye. And the whole idea was for Donkey Kong was Popeye and King and not King Kong. What's the Donkey Kong? Bluto. Was Bluto. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you know all this? No, but I know there's a Bluto connection to dark. I don't know why I just yelled his name when you were clearly not no. talking about that part of it. But I, but I know there's a connection. I'm, that's where I'm going with it. So Donkey Kong was up there. That was Bluto. And then, the, he, you know, Jumpman, he later becomes Mario. But when that started out, he was the first character to jump in a video game was this Donkey Kong. That's why it took off. It was so innovative at the time that, yeah. but that template was Popeye jump man. Mario was Popeye. He was jumping up, trying to get spinach, climbing up the ladder. And then he's going to, he does rescue a woman up there. He was going to mm-hmm. rescue olive oil from Bluto. 
that was, that's the template for Donkey Kong, but they couldn't get the licensing. So then they switched it up, moved it in, plugged it in. And then um, Donkey Kong took off and then they, you know, got into the gaming system with um, that's crazy Mario and all that. No, I thought it was interesting stuff, Jim. It's right up our, it was like nostalgia alley. Well, cause I, I watched a thing on Nintendo too recently. Cause I also had COVID at one point. And so I, I by the way, I think you can tell a lot about when someone's like, I ah, like, like I, I got COVID when the Queen's Gambit came out and anyone I knew who watched that chess show, I was like, Oh, they have COVID right now too. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the fact that you're watching so much TV right now, you know, you can tell that about people. But, um, but when I was watching that high score, they were talking about how Nintendo got sued and almost lost it all because by the makers of King Kong saying that Donkey Kong was, you know, infringing on their copyrights and they won the lawsuit, but I never realized their entire defense should have just been, no, we ripped off Popeye. Right. Like that could have been their entire no, no, this is the guy who should be suing yeah. us. This other you? idea. <laughs> the whole thing though was cool about like when video games came out, and I, I can kind of like put this on my dad for when um Atari came out, the consoles were expensive. Yeah. You know, I mean, not that expensive, but they were like, you know, that was the big gift of the year. And then there was a glut of games and what killed at home gaming was they just, they threw all these games out there and it drove down everything. And they use the ET game as a big example, right? I mean, I remember how bad that game was. I remember just being like, this is stupid. Ridiculous. And that was like it. Then all of a sudden everyone's like, this is a scam. The Ataris were being resold for like 10 bucks, 12 bucks. And then nothing and then in 85 nintendo came out and it was a slow start and people were very were very apprehensive about video game consoles because of this thing that just happened with atari so they yeah. said the trojan horse of nintendo was that came with this robot so this robot i robot or whatever was like that that's comes by this or the gun that came with duck hunt by the gun and then you get to play this game and then they got hooked people got hooked on the gaming system, the entertainment system. And that's when it really blew up for Nintendo. Man, and they had young Jimmy Flanagan hooked. I'm sure my mom is listening. And, and thank you for all of the, I mean, everything from the the gun to the power pad. Do you remember the power pad? Like oh, yeah. Jump on. That was a Christmas present one year. The uh, Nintendo it was like, Power. It was like I'd Twister. The magazine. It was like Twister. <laughs> and it was, it was like track and field was big. You'd be, yeah. be playing the track and field. And then they tried with the, um, the glove they, that failed. That one yeah, failed. Power but, it glove. Was, but then the power glove technology morphed into Wii that once it was perfected years later, it was like the rebirth wow. of Nintendo because the glove struggled. And that's when Sega and a lot of those people kind of took off. So it kind of interesting look, looking at it. And their whole beginning, this company, Nintendo, was they made playing cards that's how that all started they made playing cards but gambling cards were like made illegal in uh in china because okay. japanese government was really strict about gambling or something uh-huh so then they did all these things throughout time that they made and then they got into electronics later the other thing they did it was interesting well, how do you back your way into nintendo isn't that weird though right Oh, all the things that they did that they tried to make. 
It's like the bicycle anyway, playing card they company also... started by making bicycles. And they were like, hey, why don't we just make the things you put in the spokes instead? Right. <laughs> Do you know they own Pokemon? Pokemon? Yeah. I never really realized that. I that's learned that huge. recently. That's huge for them. Interesting Absolutely. company, Jim. Absolutely. I don't know if they created Pokemon or bought it later or what. Was that like way out of your comfort zone? Was that way out of your area? Like I never got into Pokemon, but that was my time frame in school. Was it? No. Yeah, I missed it completely. And I wouldn't say I missed it. No, <laughs> but I. He is <laughs> back. I had nothing Please to do go with talk it. to your kids. <laughs> I had nothing to do with Pokemon. I will talk to my kids. I was talking to my daughter at night. This is something I want to share with you in the brims. I was talking to Josephine and she had to do a project about Christmas in other countries. And um, she chose Holland and she was telling me, giving me the presentation. She had to make these slides and was telling me how um, their Santa Claus is named Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas. But here's the best part, dude. Their Santa Claus, they think, lives in Spain. Just he's from Madrid. <laughs> this is I'm not kidding. And he's called Sinterklaas or Sinterklaas the, the, with a lisp because he's he lives in Spain. Sure, España. So Sinterklaas, Sinterklaas mm-hmm. from Ibiza. Mm-hmm. Familiar. But, mm, they left stockings out. <laughs> Let's put some stuff in the stockings. So Sinterklaas, dude, lives in Madrid. Like, what happens when these kids go to Spain? Does he have a house there? No idea. Wouldn't that be great if they're like, your parents are like, yeah, Santa is real and he lives in Mexico. He's, (laughs) he's down there in Guadalajara making everything right now. Every December he leaves Punta Cana (laughs) and comes up here to bring you toys. He said, all right, you're writing a letter to Santa, send it to Cabo Wabo. (laughs) Care of Sammy Hagar. How is he just in Spain? Like, he's just like some artist. He's got a, an apartment. At the end of November, here's the story. In, in, at the end of November, he comes to the Netherlands with his steamboat. With a steamboat? So, <laughs> he comes on a steamboat. Like, look at, hey, look who's coming. It's, oh, it's Santa. He's in from Spain. <laughs> Why don't they tell him he's, he lives in China? That's where all the toys are made, right? By people your age. There's some great ones, dude. Czech Republic, they don't have a Father Christmas or a Santa. Instead, they just have a baby Jesus that brings gifts to kids. Oh, I'm sure those are great, great gifts. (laughs) The writers of Talladega Nights do this? (laughs) What what does a baby bring for gifts? (laughs) Listen to this description. It is necessary to send baby Jesus a letter where you would describe if you were good or bad and what you would like for your behavior. I mean, if you're bad, you're not writing a letter, are you? He comes with a gift. He would typically have a bell and ring it so people could pick up the presents, but he must not be seen. And why is he ringing a bell? That's got to be tough. Ring a bell and then disappear? (laughs) Here, I pulled Katie actually sent us some on other countries here. How about Austria? On the evening before the Feast of St. Nicholas, See, St. Nicholas is all over all this Santa origin story, right? It all comes from that. He's a figure dressed in a bishop's costume as the Hilige Nicholas will parade through the streets. Ah. Accompanied by a group of Krampus. 
what's that? Scary figures. Why is it got to be scary? <laughs> scary figures in wooden masks, wearing <laughs> furs and clanking bells, armed with birch twigs and coal ash to punish those who have been bad. Well, there's the coal. You're going to get coal, coal ash, birch twigs. Krampus is this a word is, you've heard. I've heard the word, but I don't know much about it, but this is amazing. Could you imagine if Santa just had a wooden face <laughs> and just walked around in furs? Who puts a mask on made out of wood? Armed with birch twigs and coal ash to punish those. Who, and it's a weird thing, too, that like in Austria, Santa's entire job is to... Oh, wait, so these are the Krampus who are with Santa. Is that it? So Santa's yeah. like the good guy, and then the Santa's Krampus are with him trying to they're with mess with masks everybody? And coal ash and twigs. They'll beat you with a stick. You don't get it together. Yeah. You get the stick treatment from my, from my posse. Hey, I'm Santa Claus. Hey, hey, good kids. What's going on? Hey, and you pieces <laughs> of crap over there. You're going to have to deal with my crew here, the Krampuses. You think they have signs? <laughs> It's such a difference. Our Christmas doesn't have a villain. I think that's what we're missing. We don't have like a, there's no hell. There's no opposing factor to Santa. Yeah, it's all niceness and goodness. Although you can't say Merry Christmas anymore. <laughs> what? They have been saying that forever. That's all. That's been a thing for how long now? Oh, you, you ever say Merry Christmas to someone? It's usually always someone that celebrates Christmas. And then they're like, oh, I can't say that anymore. I just did. <laughs> and I've been saying it. I've been texting it to people. A tr little tree emoji pops up when you do. Everyone is saying it. You say, someone will say that. You'll be in a bar. They will be, it will be decorated for Christmas. The bartender will look like, uh, what's his nuts? Krampus? Does he have a wooden face and wearing a fur? Dude, you will go in a bar. It will be decorated for Christmas. The bartender will be dressed as Sinterklaas. He'll, he'll, <laughs> Who will look like Jule Mandan, which is which is translates to the Yule Man in Denmark. Oh, I love that. The Yule Man in Denmark. It's a Seinfeld episode. It sounds like <laughs> the Yule Man's coming. But anyway, it's Christmas everywhere. And then there's always someone. I careful saying that. Can't say that around here. Yeah, you can. And that was just in every airport. And there's a fucking Christmas tree everywhere. My rule of thumb, Patrick, is that anyone who tells you that you can't say anything anymore will then usually spend the next 20 minutes proving themselves wrong. How about they it? Just say, they just keep talking and talking. You can't say anything. And then, well, you're about to. You're about to talk for a very long time. And I'm just going to stand here and listen. Anyway, that's um, I, I just still go with it. I know that it's it's different people. And I think that people get conditioned, right. And you're working for a company. It's in the business vernacular, happy holidays, be vague, yeah. be spread cheer, enjoy the season, all that. But you can still say anything, right? Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa, just spread cheer. You can say it to anybody about anything. I don't think people get mad if you're, if you're greeting them positively, but it's like the wrong positive thing. You know, right. like if someone was like, happy Thursday, you'd be like, it's Wednesday. <laughs> like you wouldn't be pissed about it. Right. right. Yeah. Hey, how are you doing? Doing. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> People are just, tr it's triggered. 
All right. Anyway, I have, uh, I know you kicked it off with some Brimley banter. I want to transition into some Brimley banter as well. I got a beautiful note here from our friend Julie, who I mentioned in a recent episode, I believe last episode, how we have a listener in Israel. We were talking about spreading Hanukkah chair. And sure enough, I got a nice little note from Julie, our listener in Israel. And this is great, Jim, because she says, thanks for the Hanukkah wishes and calling out your listener in Israel. It just so happened that I was listening as I was driving to work on Israel's one and only turnpike. What? Serendipity, she says. And of course, I'm such a dork that I looked up the history of the turnpike at the first opportunity. In addition to keeping up with the new episodes, I've gone back to the beginning to listen to the early ones that I missed. I know I'm a Brimley, but where does that name come from? Don't tell me. I'll get there eventually. Looking forward to more great episodes. Well, sorry about this one, Julie. All the best. <laughs> okay. Your fan from Israel. How <laughs> nice was that? Thank you, Julie. Julie, thank you. Can I say this too, by the way? We've been climbing up the Israeli charts. I don't know that Julie's our only fan, but certainly Julie is our number one Israeli fan. We have been climbing. And now with sure. with young Dolph out of the way, we'll probably be getting okay. even higher. I'm joking. All right, Pete, Dolph. <laughs> I can't yell that here. Shit. <laughs> I gotta to go. Get, I gotta lay to low s- for a while. They're gonna storm in. I'm gonna need to get another place to stay. No, I also uh, got Julie, some really fantastic. nice. Got some really nice notes from people. And uh, again, people reaching out about last week, checking in. I appreciate it. I really do. Thank you to everyone. Um, is there anything, Jim, that you want to get into Brimley banter wise or what you got going on wise? Yeah, I heard uh, from our buddy, Dan. I love this. He said that uh, just to add a little bit more color, uh, he ran into. So Dan is the Brimley who he and his buddy ran to Bobby Hits at a Bears game, and then oh, yes. Bobby Hitz chased his buddy around the stadium, around the Cadillac Club, up and down escalators. He said that, uh, some additional color, we ran to Bobby at the next Bears game also, where instead of chasing my buddy, he bought him a drink and we all laughed about it. I think the difference was running into him in the first quarter instead of the fourth quarter. And then a bunch of beer mug emojis. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. <laughs> That's hilarious. So the Bobby Hitt story ended well. I got a lot of feedback about the Bobby Hitt story. People loved it. Um, so happy to be able to provide a little bit of an update there. How about Dan stirring the pot, though? Like, I'm not going to tell him that we reconciled. <laughs> or as, as Tony Soprano would say, reconciled. Is it reconciled? reconciled. I wouldn't Chase say him on that. the Cadillac Club on your grandmother's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> then they reconciled and they, he didn't tell us till the next week. This guy knows how to hang a cliffhanger. During He's happy like, holidays. We're going to resolve this next week. <laughs> Meanwhile, I've gotten a pretty strong letter from Bobby Hitt's attorney. <laughs> He's not happy about the besmirching. Bobby Sues. <laughs> All right, man. Well, um, really good to see you. Enjoy Memphis. Safe travels back. I hope everyone out there is enjoying themselves, staying healthy, having a good week. And uh, we're going to be back next week, Jim, right? Can't wait. I think we're going to be back in person. Really happy to see that you're doing well. Um, thanks for the update. And uh, what do we got? January 23rd, obviously. So, yes, very excited about that. That is uh, coming up January 23rd. The Vic, you're going to be there too, Jim. It's not all about me. Kind of <laughs> is for that one. But you will. <laughs> Come on. We're going in there together. We're going to have a great time. I 
Could not be more excited to be opening for you on those shows. It's going to be a blast. Also, still some tickets left for December 26th at Zany's in Rosemont. Going to be a very fun night. Uh, just going to be a big party. So come on out if you're looking for something to do. If you want to get away from your family, send them. Stay home. Just <laughs> that one. That one is all about you. And <laughs> I am is. jealous because I've said this before. The the week between Christmas and New Year's at Zany's and probably any comedy club is just magical. People are ready to go. They're relaxed. It's fun. That's going to be great, man. Have a good time. It's a special time. And then we will be back with you next week for a very special Christmas episode. Can't say that anymore. Of all Jim, over the place. What are you saying? Our holiday episode? Our, our seasonal? Our Yuletide special? No, it's going to be great. Yeah, we'll, do, we'll make it a, a nice end of year is it end of year too, or is it just uh, the Christmas? We're gonna have one more for a year end wrap up. Next year will just be the Krampus episode. One eleven is gonna belong specifically to Sandwich Loss, as he's known in Switzerland. <laughs> oh, is that his name? <laughs> it is, and he typically wears a red hooded cape, like Red Riding Hood. Man, are they lazy <laughs> in some other countries? Where does he live? That way. He's just you guys want to get? You guys want to get in line for Sandwich Claus? No, but I am hungry all of a sudden. <laughs> Sounds like lunch. <laughs> what does he do? Oh, he carries a bunch of twigs to punish naughty children. <laughs> and coal ash. That's, <laughs> that's so mean. One more thing I want to tease, Pat. You and Sarah are going to a Christmas party next week. Um, you're dressing up as a, as a duo. Can you tell me a little bit about this? Yeah, we're going to a Christmas party, man. It's a it's for couples, and we have to dress up as a Christmas couple or duo from like a Christmas movie or a story, something holiday ish. Maybe it's not just Christmas, Jim. It could be other things. We could be Hanukkah, Harry, and uh, and a dreidel. We could probably do that. <laughs> we don't have to okay. just be something Christmas. It could be anything holiday. But Sarah's idea. I don't know if I should blast this yet, if it's going to be a surprise or... Maybe don't tell me what it is. I'd love to hear if the Brims have any ideas for... It's, it has to be from a holiday movie, right? Yeah. I'd love to hear if the Brims have any ideas of good uh, holiday movie duos for this, and then uh, we'll hear what you choose next week. Yeah, an example would be, like, you could be Clark Griswold and... What's it, Ellen? It's Ellen, right? Yeah. Yeah. You could be Leslie Nielsen and Priscilla Presley if they were... Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could do that. You could do the cousin Eddie and the and the wife. You could do. I'm really on Christmas vacation now. Julia Louis Dreyfus and uh, I think he's a guest. Christopher Guest's brother, maybe. When they're in the uh, the the workout, the silver, you know, and the metallic, and they're all got the water bottles. You could do that. Is it Ted or Tad? Todd. Todd. Todd and Margot. I don't know, Margot. All right, buddy. Get out of here. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye, everyone.